Good morning. How is everybody? Good. Turn with me to Matthew 19. Matthew 19, we're going to start in verse 13. It says this, Then children were brought to Jesus that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Uh, The title for my sermon today is The Father's Love for Children. Not the Father's Love for His Children, but simply the Father's Love for Children. As an infant, babies, youth, you get the idea. Um, The short title... Do you know pastors actually have long titles and short titles? Sometimes I have multiple titles for my sermon, and I have to choose one. But my short title is YVBS. Uh, The Father's love for children is seen here in the New Testament on display by his son, Jesus. Jesus always displays the heart of the Father perfectly and consistently. Uh, The culture's view of children today is very dim. They're expensive. They're a burden. They're expendable. They're overlooked. Um, You can have too many. You can't have too few. Uh, I laugh to myself when people ask me how many kids I have, and I tell them I have four kids, and they're like, wow, that's a lot. And I'm like, well, not in my kind of culture. (laughs) I'm like on the low end. Um. More and more couples are deciding simply not to have kids. God's view of children is completely different. Uh, hold your place in Matthew 19. We're going to come back to it at some point. Uh, but look at Genesis chapter 1. So in 26 of chapter 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing, that moves on the earth. Then look a couple chapters later, because I want you to see this as well. In Genesis chapter 9, we see this same concept reiterated to Noah. In chapter 9, verse 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So the question is, when you read, it, read these, two, these two sets of verses... Um, What's God doing? Like, what's he doing? He's setting up his economy. So you have the creation mandate and the dominion mandate. The dominion is the subdue part. We're supposed to subdue the earth. It doesn't mean to trash the earth, okay, but to subdue it. But there's also the creation mandate. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. And this was given to Adam and Eve, but they were what we might fancifully call the paradigmatic couple. 
paradigmatic. You like that word? Okay, you don't. That's cool. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> Uh, the paradigmatic couple, it means they're a paradigm. They're the example for us. So when God's speaking to them, he's speaking to them not just as in like, oh, these two couples over here or whatever, or this couple over here or this person over here. He's talking to them as representatives of the human race. So that is the command for us as well. Subdue the earth and be fruitful and multiply. We have the dominion mandate and the creation mandate. So when you read these verses, though, um, here's my question. How many children are you limited to? I mean, how many? Is there a maximum number? What's the minimum number? Is there a minimum number? number? Is zero acceptable? You guys are getting nervous, aren't you? You should be. Is zero being fruitful and multiplying? What about having one? Is that being fruitful and multiplying? If God had a problem with children, if he didn't have a very high view of them, he wouldn't be going and telling us to have so many. Think about that. The very beginning, very first chapter, the very first book of the Bible, and God's telling us, be fruitful and multiply. It's not like it's like this afterthought, or you get like into chapter 25 or something like that, and he's like, oh yeah, by the way. No, like that's how he sets up. He's setting it up, and he's setting it up in a perfect world. This is how I want it set up originally. It wasn't like, oh, well, yeah, things are messed up, so I better figure something out. No, this is God's perfect design for humanity. And if God had a problem with children, or if he didn't really have a, a high view of them, um, I mean, there'd be some type of limit, right? I mean, that was the opportunity for him to say, uh, stop after two. <laughs> and he could have designed a woman's body to have a limit to the number of children she can have. But during her childbearing years, I mean, the sky is kind of the limit, you know? And some people have taken that sky pretty high. So, <clears throat> fruitful. Fruitful meaning bear fruit, and then multiply. That Hebrew root word means become numerous. Become numerous. Definitely can't do it with zero. Kind of challenging with one. Um, if they were a burden, a drag in society, a social ill, I mean, there would be some kind of limit. They'd, he'd max us out or something. But God doesn't do that. And over and over and over and over, Scripture has a positive view of children. Look at Psalm 127. It says this in verse 1, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, excuse me, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, Children are a heritage from the Lord. Who are they from? The Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So children are a blessing. That's not to say that children aren't challenging. 
as any parent will readily admit. Um, it's not to say they aren't hard to deal with at times, and it's not to say they won't drive you crazy. Um, they'll do all those things. Um, in fact, children's ministry is one of the hardest ministries to be involved with, whether it's your own little personal family children ministry or extended. And that's why people burn out with children's ministry. It's why people quit. It's tough. Um, and when it comes to children's ministry, I think there's a couple things that can prevent us from wanting to do it and to do it well. Uh, one, because it is tough. Two, it can seem pointless, which I'll get into in a sec. Um, three, it can seem unrewarding. And finally, it's very, 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 very challenging. Um, there's going to be discouragement. There's going to be disappointment. Uh, let me just be real. This past week, it's really easy. It's like you have to, it's like this rule, like when you talk about like some event you just did, you have to talk about all the positive things, right? Because we don't want to talk about the negative, then next time people might not want to help us out. <laughs> so, which overall I agree with that. But um, this past week, I mean, it was not easy for our workers who did the VBS. And there were some very discouraging moments at times. So it wouldn't surprise me if some of the workers uh, were discouraged at times through the week, and maybe even now reflecting back, because it was a tough week. Some of the kids would eat lunch, um, which was right at the beginning, and then they would leave, and they wouldn't come back. That's pretty discouraging when you have all your craft set up and your people with their Bible story have you know, been practicing it, right? And the games people have all their games, and then you know, some of the kids, kids take off. That's discouraging. But here's the thing. When we examine our ministry, um, the question is not, was it hard? Was it challenging? Or was it disappointing? But the questions are these. Was it worth it? Did it make a difference? And is that what the scriptures show us to do? And listen, I remember many, 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 many of my Sunday school teachers when I was growing up. And they played a role in my life. And I, you know, I never confided in them. I never really opened up to them. But they were models and examples to me, for good or for bad, of Christianity. And while at times um, I blew off much of what they said, I saw their manner of life and how they carried themselves. And that spoke to me. So yeah, the VBS, I mean, it really, overall, it was amazing, and it was awesome. And the outreach, um, we had, we bought, we bought so much soda. Justice comes in, I help him unload, and we store the soda down earlier in the week. And he's like, I bought so much soda, we're going to have enough for Liberty events for quite a while. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. No, we run out of soda in like the first 45 minutes. Okay, probably sooner. So he goes out, and we're running out of food. So he goes out, and he gets more of everything. And then we start running out again. So then Andrea goes out, and he gets more. We ended up giving away 276 sodas. Now, granted, some of those kids had like three and four, okay? So they were living high on the hog. But 276 sodas, over 150 waters, 72 burgers, 140 hot dogs, and 18 bags of chips. Okay? There's a lot of people there. And it was amazing. There was about 40 of us from Liberty, 
And listen, when um, about half our church comes to something like that, um, I am greatly blessed as a pastor because that, I feel like, is our church coming together to reach out. And I love seeing that. Um, and we need to do it again, and we likely will do it again very soon. So it was neat to see because I wasn't exactly sure. I was probably, I was trying to be realistic. I was probably being pessimistic um, because I thought we were going to have a lot of soda left over too. <laughs> and, I mean, a lot of the kids from the VBS, but even a number of adults came. And, you know, some of them just grabbed their food and would eat real quick and kind of leave, and that's fine. But actually, as you heard, a number of them stayed, and we got to have 5, 10, 15, 20, apparently two-hour conversations with them, um, which was really, really cool. And um, just like Steve mentioned, um, I, you know, one of the guys especially that I talked to for a little bit, um, he kind of said something along the lines of what Steve said. Basically, he's like, you know, I really don't like to talk about politics. And I'm like, well, that's good because that's a pretty controversial <laughs> subject. <laughs> and then he goes to talk about politics for 15 minutes with me. But you know what I wa think it was? I think it was something where he just wanted to have, like, a sounding board. He just wanted to be heard on that particular issue because it was important to him. So I just listened. And I think that's important for us to do as we're ministering to people. A lot of times we're like, oh, I got to get to the gospel. I got to, which is, I mean, we do got to get to the gospel. But um, I think people want to be heard before they hear us sometimes. And I think we did a great job of displaying that on Friday night. Um, so when it comes to ministry to children and youth, go back to Matthew 19. Don't. Don't get the attitude of the disciples. Okay? Because here, look in verse 13. It says, the disciples re rebuked the people, people. So you got fathers and mothers trying to bring their, their kids to Jesus, and they're, and they're rebuking, like rebuking. That's a pretty strong word. They're rebuking the people. Um, what were they thinking? What were these disciples thinking? Well, we actually know what they were thinking. This is Jesus, right? He's got important things to do. He's on a mission. No time to waste. And uh, little guys, you don't meet the minimum height requirement to get on the Jesus ride today, okay? So you're out. Um, but I think we're guilty of the same type of thinking. You know, kids ministry, nursery work, serving in catechism, pff, come on. I'm much more important than that. I have much better things to do. Listen, Jesus saw the importance of children, and he showed it through his ministry to them and the different statements that he made. He made time for children, and he rebukes his disciples here and sets the record straight regarding children. Listen, my aunt and uncle, my, my dad's brother, he just had one, but my dad's brother, his name's Gary, my aunt named Mary. My dad's name was Terry. <laughs> I think if they were going to have another kid, it was going to be Jerry. But anyway, <laughs> so my uncle and aunt, Gary and Mary, they picked me up week after week after week after week and took me to the Awana program, you know, where you memorize scriptures and you play games and, and you get a Bible story. Week after week after week. And they didn't even live very close to me. Um, but they loved me. And they wanted me to hear the word and read the word and respond in faith to the word. 
And if they would have taken a very short-term view, you know, hey, we'll do this for a year, um, their efforts wouldn't have really paid off. If they would have taken, oh, we've been taking them for a couple months and there's really not much change, so it's kind of, that's about, you know, a 45-minute round trip for us, so sorry, we can't do it. No, they took a long-term view. They had a long-term goal in mind and realized, look, if we're faithful to minister, then God will do his work. So week after week after week, for years and years, um, and they didn't even, I mean, their effort didn't even pay off until they were out of the picture, until I was at college. But it paid off. God rewarded their faithfulness, and I'm very thankful for the role they played in my salvation. And listen, you can tell largely how a church is doing and how it regards its young, its old, and its sickly members. So that can be a little barometer for us as a church. Children are important. Their nurture, their instruction, their care. Listen, if Jesus sees their importance and takes time for them, then we should too. But here's the thing. It's not just our own children. That's really important. It's not just our own flesh and blood children. It's all children. All children. Here's the thing. Jesus sets the example for how we order our lives. Amen? He sets the example. He sets the example for who we minister to. Amen? Amen. He sets the example for how we minister. What eternal value is there in changing a poopy diaper? Think about that. Andrew and I were talking with a woman last night who was pregnant with her first child, and she asked if we had any advice. (laughs) I said that she needs to keep the long-term goal in view, because after the 400th poopy diaper, it can be pretty discouraging, and if you get short-sighted, you're kind of like, and what exactly am I doing for the kingdom of God, changing this diaper? Well, you're doing really just as much ministry changing that diaper as I am with different things I do as a pastor. Because if that is the ministry that God has given to you, if that's the task that he's placed before you, then that's the ministry that he wants you doing, and that glorifies God. So the ladies in the nursery right now serving, they're doing nothing less important than I'm doing here right now. That's the truth. And the people in the catechism class serving right now are doing nothing less important than I'm doing right now. Do you believe that? Because if you don't, you need to reorient your thinking. And God calls us to be involved, to minister, to use our gifts, talents. So when we're in those ministries faithfully volunteering, it glorifies God. Look at Matthew Uh, One chapter back, Matthew 18. Verse 1, it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them. Now, can we just think about this for a second? Because I feel like if people came to me like, Hey, who do you think is like the best example for a believer, I'd be like, you know, hmm, like, should I say Charles Spurgeon, or should I be like Moses, or Job? Like, 
And Jesus, I mean, he could have said, I mean, Moses, that would have been a pretty good answer. Like Job, right? Maybe Elijah. Like, I feel like if we would think about this for like a thousand of a thousand of a thousand of years, we would never come up with the answer that Jesus did. But he was a wise teacher. And he had great insight. And he showed us the truth on things. Things that we could think about forever. And yet he shows us in one simple statement the real truth of the matter. So he says, And calling to him a child, he put them in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then check this out in verse 5. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And then he goes on, verse 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. And that one little verse in verse 5, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, Jesus elevated the status of children to the highest degree possible. Think about that. To receive a child is to receive Jesus, to minister to them. Jesus says, it's as if you're ministering to him. Man, that's just, try to wrap your mind around that a little bit. Children were greatly important to the Father and the Son. They're so important, actually, in, in, in the Jews and Jewish life. They had eight different words to describe the stages of childhood. Eight different words. So you had the gelid, which was the newborn. Then you had the jonic, which was the nursing infant. Olel was the nursing infant that had just begun to eat food. Gamel was the weaned baby, no longer nursing. Then for a toddler, it was the toff. Uh, the preteen was the elam. The na'ar was the teen, or even the young man. And the bakur, which literally meant ripened one, can be seen as the young warrior. And one scholar who did much work on this subject said, Assuredly, those who so keenly watched child life as to give a pictorial designation to each advancing stage of its existence must have been fondly attached to their children. And why were they so fondly attached? Where did they get that from? From the scriptures themselves. But if we're not careful, we can say something is important, but by our actions show that's really not the case. And I think some of us have been infected by the culture's view of children. We don't even realize it. It's like a poison. It's kind of like working through our mind, affecting our thinking. We don't even realize it. And we don't see the importance of children. Our children, other people's children, and our ministry to them. Listen, if you're a nursery worker, a VBS worker, a catechism teacher, you play a huge role in the lives of the children here. A huge role. I, I mean, I remember... Some of my Sunday school teachers, not all of them, but some of them. I remember the one from when I was six. I remember the one when I was a young teenager. I remember my Awana teachers. There was, I had this Awana teacher um, who'd come in. He, he was in like in his 70s. 
and he taught on the book of Revelation. Bored me out of my mind, okay? Just being honest. <laughs> Maybe that's why I've never taught on Revelation. But anyway, um, came in, but I could tell, even though I wasn't passionate and I was bored, I could tell he was passionate about the word and about what he was sharing. Uh, one, I remember, was in his 40s. Um, I knew how to get under his skin, um, and I did a lot. Got him in trouble one time. Wasn't good. Um, and I'm sure their memories of me aren't the greatest. Um, but I knew those people, I knew they cared for me. I knew that. I knew they loved the Lord and they cared for me. And we need faithful children's Sunday school teachers, nursery workers, VBS workers who will love the children in their class and teach them the beauty and wonder of the gospel. And here's the thing. If you're, if you're working with them, listen, the gospel has to be interwoven to everything that you say in there. Every story you share, you got to have the gospel element in there. Okay? Um, we don't just need Bible stories. We need Bible stories. We just don't need Bible stories. Listen, I grew up in a very liberal church, and I got plenty of Bible stories, which I'm thankful for that part, but I didn't get any gospel. Like zero gospel. Okay? Those Bible stories, they don't save. They don't save. I wasn't saved. I knew all those stories. I even believed. I believed those stories were true. Adam and Eve, Jonah, Moses, all of it. I believed it. But those stories don't save. The gospel saves. So you need to have intentionality when you're working with those children. And you need to weave the gospel into whatever you're saying in those classrooms. Whatever you're saying, there has to be a gospel element. It's really, honestly, it's like preaching 101. You take a seminary class, the first thing, it's like they kind of challenge you, make sure that the gospel flavor is in every sermon you preach. Make sure that what you say couldn't be said by a Jewish rabbi to his congregation. The gospel has to be present. Same thing with us. Okay? If, 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 um, if the lesson you give could be given by a Jewish believer of the Old Testament, a Jewish person, well, I mean, that's not going to do them any good. They need the gospel. So you have to have the gospel element in those stories that you're telling them. One of the things I like about our nursery, it's been a few years since we changed this, um, but we want our nursery time not just to be like babysitting, which that's good, right? You parents appreciate getting a little time off. Um, but we made a switch a number of years ago that there would be biblical instruction during part of the nursery time. Like, hey, they can learn all sorts of things, including how to say no when they're like one. So let's use that and like for a few minutes, let's give them a little bit of biblical instruction, right? Let's redeem the time. I wish I could take credit for that idea, by the way, but I can't. But it's awesome. Um, listen, when I was reflecting back on um, 
you know, my involvement with, with your families and even some of the youth here. I mean, some of the youth here, I've literally been a part of their lives in some shape or form since they were born. That's kind of scary. But I remember teaching Ethan Vaughn, like, vividly when he was four years old. I got this little picture in my mind of this thing that he did, right? <laughs> That's probably why I remember it. <clears throat> but even Amy and Sarah, Gretchen and Jennifer, the whole McCartney clan, the Inmans, even Nathan Sanders, the Sanders' oldest son, who some of you don't know because he's been gone for quite a while, but in my early years of youth ministry, um, he was like my right-hand man. And he was the best games director I have ever had. He was awesome, and I still tell him that to this day. My point is, um, the children around us now, they can either grow up with your influence or without your influence. And I would encourage you, if you're going to be here, then let it be with your influence, a positive influence. You can have an impact on them. I even think about like my own children and how some of you have been in their lives since they were born. I mean, Logan just turned uh, 16. Help. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Logan. I love you. Um, but I think to myself, like, how you all have helped impact who my kids are and the, and the roles that you have played. So you can have an impact. And I think we, we discount that because we're short-sighted. Okay? Oh, it's just one catechism class, or it's just one v- week of VBS, one children's play, on and on and on and on. And you never know. You never know the impact you can have. All right, so when you get that email or that text app asking for help in the nursery or catechism class or summer camp, seize the opportunity. Seize it, because that is real ministry. There's a pastor um, that, in, in Belize, uh, his name is Pastor Ed Perez, and um, he, he's got an amazing story. I'll, I'll give you the kind of shortened version, but he and his wife had a heart for children's ministry. And so they, they started this. He was a pastor in a denomination, and the denomination basically was like, you know what, we really don't want you doing children's ministry. And he's like, no, I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. And they're like, no, we don't want you doing that. And he's like, I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. And they're like, well, then there's really no place for you here. So he was like, okay. So quit um, his job as the pastor in that, that denomination and then just essentially kind of like removed the title from himself um, but kept doing youth ministry um, because that's what he had a passion for and that's what he knew God was calling him to do. I mean, it's like kids were coming. They, they weren't even like spreading the word and like youth were coming, coming to their house and coming to different people's house. I mean, it's crazy when you hear him talk about it. Um, and they have like, now they have like this huge ministry in Belize Huge ministry. So what happened is all these kids start coming, and then the parents, you know, come to Pastor Ed, and they're like, hey, what, like, what are you doing with our kids? Like, they're different. They're changing. Like, what's going on, right? Because they're getting saved. And so then all the parents are like, hey, we want that too. So he's like, I, I'm really not like a pastor, but, like, all these people are coming, and what am I supposed to do, Lord? And, I mean, the counsel that he received was like, you're supposed to start a church. And that's what he did. 
So he's got this huge ministry. His ministry is so huge, and he does it so well that he literally travels on a regular basis to all the Central American countries training different pastors how to do youth ministry. Like um, Guatemala, Mexico, help me out, Justice. Thank you. El Salvador, Costa Rica. I mean, just like you'd think like, oh, maybe once in a while, every few years. No, like every time I look on his Facebook, he's like in a different country or something like that. But that's because God's gifted him so much and he had a passion for that. That's what God called him to do. And he's making this huge impact. Every year, Justice and I are like, hey, maybe we should um, team up with Pastor Ed this year. He's an amazing guy. You guys would, would, would just love him. Um, but he, he's already doing an amazing work that I feel like if we went down and partnered with him, he'd really be ministering to us, okay? I'm not even kidding, okay? Like, he, what he's doing, he, like, really doesn't need us to come and probably mess it up. So we, when we go down for our pre-chip, we kind of touch base with him um, and his wife. Cool story. I got to tell you this cool story, okay? Because you never know how God's working. So, you know, we do the pre-trip to set up for the Belize trip each year. Usually we go in, like, February, March. So not this past year, 2018, but 2017 we go. And it just so happens, like, probably because it was Valentine's Day, we got, like, super cheap tickets. And so we did ask our wives, is it okay if we're going on Valentine's Day? It was just, all right, a little disclaimer there. Um, so we're going down there, we're like, you know, that's probably like an American thing, you know, Valentine's Day, like who celebrates that, you know. And we get down to Belize like on the, on the 14th, and like, this, like the whole country is decked out in Valentine stuff, okay? Even the Chinese restaurant. Not kidding. Not kidding. So that was like our only day to connect with Pastor Ed. And so we're like, man, this, that's probably kind of rude, it looks like, but hopefully it's not a big, big deal. So we call him up, hey, like, we'd love to grab lunch um, or dinner, I think it was, and um, love to take you, your wife, your whole family out if you want. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, we do that. We have this great time. Fast forward, so that was 2017, 2018. We're, there, we're actually there again on Valentine's Day, but we, we ended up connecting with him like a day later, right? And... Um, we're talking to him, and he's like, hey, you remember, remember last year when, when you came in Valentine's Day? We're like, yeah, sorry about that. He's like, um, that week, um, like, the offering for the church was, like, super low, and they actually came to us, and we're like, hey, we don't, we don't, there's nothing we can give you this week. Like, there's no money. We can't pay you. And so he's like, we had, we had gone to our children, and we're like, hey, it's Valentine's Day, but, like, we're not going to be able to do anything, and it's just going to be, you know, we're just going to hang out at home as a family. And then, like, right then, like, you guys called. And we're like, hey, we want to take you out and your whole family out. And it was like the Lord was confirming, like, hey, I'm going to take care of you. So sometimes you don't hear, like, the part two of those stories, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're doing stuff and you're serving the Lord. And I think there's always that part two that we don't always hear about going on all the time. And God's doing that stuff. And then sometimes, you know, we didn't know for an entire year, like, that the Lord used that. Here we thought we had kind of maybe messed up his family's plans. And it was like the Lord orchestrating that the entire time. So God's doing some amazing stuff. God's using people to have an impact on children. Look back at Matthew 19 and what it says in verse 14. He says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such 
belongs the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that amazing? Like entrance into the kingdom, right? Jesus talks about having faith like a child. Faith like a child. Not a childish faith, but faith like a child. Right? There's an innocence to it. There's a purity to it. There's a humility to it. Um, that's what it takes. That's what it takes. Faith like a child. And we can learn a lot from our children. So I encourage us to minister and to minister well. Listen, every one of us, we got a, we got a clock that's ticking, okay? It's going to end at some point. Each one of us, it's going to end. So we have a, a finite amount of time on this earth to do to do things, to do stuff, right? Finite amount of time. And one day, every single one of us will draw our last breath. Every single one of us. But guess what? We can do something now because we're a ways away from that last breath. But we still have that finite amount of time. So let's use that finite amount of time. We don't even know how much it is. But it's finite. Let's use that for the glory of God. Let's use it for the kingdom. Let's use it to minister to one another. Let's use it to spread the gospel. Let's use it to do things like the VBS, like the barbecue outreach. It's fine. We got finite, okay? We got all eternity to rest, all right? All eternity. So I'm, I'm, when I, whenever my time goes, the Lord knows, okay? I got a lot of, I got, I kind of like have this little list I ask the Lord to keep track of things I'm going to do, right? When I get to heaven. So I'm going to praise the Lord for a long time. I'm going to catch up on some sleep, all right? <clears throat> but that's when I can do that, all right? Because once, once my life expires, once your life expires, like, we can't make a difference for the kingdom anymore. It's this time that the, that the Lord has anointed and appointed for us to be difference makers. So let's make the difference. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that children are precious to you, that they are a gift that you've blessed us with them here in our midst, Lord. And I pray that we would minister well. I pray that we would love well. I pray you would give us a heart for them, Lord, a renewed heart for them. I pray we would be serious in the roles that we're ministering or need to be ministering to in the church to these young ones, God. You've entrusted them to the family's care and to this church's care, the people here. May we heed that well. May we minister well for your glory. Amen.